The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. It, you know, so you can't win. You're either a starving artist, you're a schmuck. But I mean, I, I think, you know, we're the schmucks out here really pushing the envelope and really creating, you know, um, lasting kinds of, of stories that really uh, connect with people um, and are really pushing the envelope of, of, of these various genres. Um, uh, that's what I try to do. Greetings, scribes, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you positivity, productivity, and prosperity per usual. And this week, the award-winning writer, commentator, and professor of media studies at Georgetown University, Christopher Chambers, chatted with me about why there's never been a better time to break through as a writer of color, unreliable narrators, and second-person POV, and writing for Marvel's Black Panther franchise. Chris is a professor of media studies and a novelist whose books include A Prayer for Deliverance and Sympathy for the Devil, the graphic anthology The Darker Mask, and Penn Malamud-nominated story Leviathan. His writing was included in the anthology The Obama Inheritance, which won numerous awards including The Anthony. His latest novel is Scavenger, a mystery set in Washington, D.C.'s underbelly where a black homeless man must quickly learn the ropes of being a detective after being framed for a brutal crime he didn't commit. Publishers Weekly called the book a no-holds-barred crime novel, 21st century twist on traditional hard-boiled noir, and friend of the pod, writer S.A. Cosby, called it wholly original. Professor Chambers is an honors grad of Princeton University and the University of Baltimore School of Law, where he was the first African-American in the Law Review. He's a regular commentator, and contributor to media and culture issues on Sirius XM, ABC News, MSNBC, and The Huffington Post. In this file, Chris and I discussed why he didn't want to be the next Scott Tarot, how to incorporate today's confluence of societal crises into your writing, what it's like to be invited to write about Wakanda, why the writing life equates to isolation, and more. Stay safe and stay sane out there, and stay tuned for a special offer from this week's sponsor, Neuro. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Okay, we are back on The Writer Files and I am honored today to be joined by an esteemed guest. I've got 
Professor Christopher Chambers joining us. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to do this, man. I understand uh, we had a uh, a little bit of a scheduling uh, conflict, but uh, if you want to talk a little bit about it, I'd be fascinated to hear this story. Yeah, it you know, there's believe it or not, there's nothing about this in the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it, the book has its own internal violence, trust me. But this is. Uh, has to do with a murder that took place in front of my house in 2019. A uh, young lady was walking her do- uh, was a dog walker in the neighborhood, uh, was um, uh, stabbed uh, right in front of our, uh, really across the street, and she ran across the street. And um, the wounds were such that she bled out in, in seconds. Um, oh when, I, when I got outside to help her um it was basically too late um and uh even though we were giving i was giving her uh, cpr and uh my wife was uh helping and then neighbors came uh, it was um it was horrific um and it took place it was a summer night it was you know um between 8 30 9 o'clock at night you know and so there were the sun had literally just gone down and there were people on the street and this is a very quiet street and, um, you know, that uh, I had to uh, testify in front of the grand jury uh, when we previously had scheduled this, um, uh, the interview, the podcast. Um, and so that's why I had to reschedule. But I mean, you know, it dredges up a whole lot of, of things, but it also emphasizes for me that, you know, Unless you're writing sci-fi or gothic horror, there is nothing worse than real life. (laughs) I mean, seriously, there is nothing worse than real life. So, um, you know, that kind of hammers it home for me. And, um, you know, it's it's this violence that that, uh, you know, you you, 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 I think we you know, we, we, we can create content around it. Um, even poetry, believe it or not. But I mean, the reality of it, especially when it doesn't have anything to do with drugs or some kind of beef or a robbery here, it was just madness. Um, this person had been stalking this dog walker all night Hmm. and just wanted to kill her. And, uh, just like, you know, you have joggers who might be, you know, attacked from, for whatever a uh, bizarre reason, um, you know, that's something that, you know, we can get our head around somebody with a drug beef shooting somebody or, or stabbing somebody, but, you know, going out and saying, look, I want to kill somebody. I'm just going to randomly spot somebody and just go do it. I think that really just shocks us to our souls. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, my story on Friday. Hopefully we can talk. We, yeah. we can end on a better note here, but you know, when you're talking about crime fiction and noir, it never, it never does really end on a good note. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's a tragic, tragic story and, um, I must've shaken you up a little bit and you're in, you're in Washington DC, is that right? Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this was a very, this is, you know, this is a row house neighborhood and it's, you know, it's the quintessential, you know, gentrification postcard kind of a thing that you would see in the Northeast, you know, in Brooklyn or Boston or Philly or something like that. And, you know, for something like this to happen, I mean, even, 
even some of the hardened criminals, some of whom I actually know, <laughs> were freaked <laughs> out by this. So if you freak them out, you know it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk, um, of course, about um, Scavenger, this this novel, which is a uh, described as a 21st century take on the noir kind of hardboiled tales of you know the 20th century. But let's talk kind of about your your own superhero origin story and kind of take us back a little bit because you weren't always a writer, right? You came, you come from a law background, um, kind of a pedigreed, uh, uh, (laughs) law, law, uh, career, but yeah, talk about kind of, uh, when you made the shift and, and, and how you, you know, came to this, uh, you know, this fantastic award-winning fiction of yours. Well, I mean, I had, I had a background, you know, in law and, and, um, you know, I'd worked for, the government or big firms, stuff like that, you know, and it, you know, back in the, back in the eighties and nineties, they used to say every lawyer has like a novel on their, you know, their old C drive and their old computer. <laughs> right. uh, but I didn't really want to go, you know, I didn't want to be a part of that movement, that kind of Scott to you know, kind of movement. But, um, I had stories in me from when I was a child and I, you know, I'd write short stories or I would write scripts for, uh, my own comic books. And around, um, you know, the early 2000s, I wrote my first novel, uh, you know, and I was very, very lucky at that because I, I did a two, I had a two novel deal with Random House. Um, and I was a young African-American male writer and I wasn't writing about relationships or something like that. I was actually writing in a genre that, you know, heretofore had not been really open to us um, uh, until you start to talk about um, uh, Walter Mosley and some other writers. Um, And um, I published uh, Sympathy for the Devil and A Prayer for Deliverance back in the early 2000s. And I really got the, 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 the bug, really. The problem was in publishing... Um, they really, really didn't know what to do with me. And despite the successes of the books, um, I really was, um, kind of pigeonholed and they wanted me to write more, you know, um, kind of maybe, a, a, a maybe like Tyler Perry books, except with murder, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of people found themselves in my, in my predicament and it really, um, it didn't sour me on publishing because I knew, you know, what these businesses were like. But I mean, it got me really thinking about not wanting to really do this. And 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 you also have people who think it's just a hobby, you know. Especially if you know if you have like quote day job, um, people look at you and they say, "Oh, this is quaint." I mean, uh, you know, publishing a book is 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 a Herculean feat, period. Okay, but. If you have a certain day job, people think, oh, it's just a hobby, you know, and it's very quaint. And I think when I started to move on to other genres or other media, such as, you know, I've, I've, I've helped um, do some um, graphic novel scripts in the past uh, with people like Gary Phillips um, and then artists like Sean Martin, bro. I mean, even then, they, people look at it as, as as a quaint hobby. And I'm like, well, you know, all these people are like giants in their industry. <laughs> and you're still treating it like I'm in like, I'm, uh, you know, that I'm like tinkering with, with toys in the basement. Um, but I think that, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's, it's true. And, I, and, you know, and what's what's what I think if you're more of a, a literary fiction writer or a poet, I think the irony is, is that people 
people uh, take it more seriously. Mm. Um, uh, that's my opinion, at least, is that they 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 can see if you're into literary, if you're a practitioner, content creator in literary fiction, or you're a poet, people. I think you, you, you can wear your passion more out on your sleeves and people can see that. But if you're a genre writer or if you're in another media such as, say, graphic novels or even four-color comic books, no matter how seriously you've honed your craft, if you have a day job, people think, oh, well, you know, uh, you know that's really great you published that. But, you know, um, so what are you, what are you doing at work right now? <laughs> you know? hmm. and, and, and you'd think it'd be the other way around, but I think people – um, tend to see literary fiction writers and poets as, as the more of the starving artist, uh, mm-hmm. whereas the genre writer is just, um, you know, the jerk who has like the day job in an insurance company who got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it got a, got a, got a, got an agent to pay attention to them. And it's kind of, you know, so, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like this, the schmuck, no matter how successful you are. <laughs> so, you know, it, it you know, so you can't win. You're either a starving artist, you're a schmuck. But I mean, I, I think, you know, we're the schmucks out here really pushing the envelope and really creating, you know, um, lasting kinds of, of stories that really uh, connect with people um, and are really pushing the envelope of, of, of these various genres. Um, uh, that's what I try to do. And I try to I'm friends with a lot of people who are doing that. I mean, including, you know, now a whole stable of of people of color, especially women of color, who are pushing uh, crime fiction and thrillers, and and even the cozies, you know, where the cat, you know, uh, discovers the butler did it. I mean, are pushing the envelopes uh, out uh, there, and you know, it, it is an amazing time to to create. Um, you know, you might not be, you won't be getting rich off of it. They're not printing giant hardcover Robert Ludlum books anymore, <laughs> but it, it it is a big you know, time to be a creator. It's a robust time. And, you know, I'm proud that I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's a, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a legacy to history of uh, amazing art. And um, yeah, as you said, kind of unfortunate that, you know, it's the literary fiction writers and, and and the poets that get the more accolades or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, your colleague, um, author S.A. Cosby was on this show not too long ago. Yeah, and, um, that's great. I know that he blurbed your book, which I thought was very cool, but I know you've, you've written about the kind of the storied legacy of, uh, you know, kind of crime fiction and, and this new movement that's taking place in noir that's really exciting, kind of, uh, um, I forget how we described it, but it's a, uh, it's a really cool time. Yeah, it is. It is. It's 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 and, you know, his his book is a is an example of, you know, it's noir and it's art. Uh, that's and that's S.A. Cosby's Blacktop Wasteland, by the way. It's noir and it's art, but it's also fun, a fun read. You know, I mean, even though there aren't some fun things going on, in mm-hmm. pretty messed up things. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's that's the future is is. Is is yes, you're in a genre, but you're 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 pulling a lot of elements of different things into into these books, and I and I try to do that, and I tried to do that in in Scavenger too. I mean, I mean, yeah. there's no gothic horror or stuff like that in there, but or sci-fi, but I mean, it it's um 
you know, I, it's not just a straight gumshoe story. No, and it's not supposed to be. Absolutely. No. And as we put it before, I think with multiple authors, we kind of, um, or at least one screenwriter kind of describes it as um, Rubik's cubing these genres. You know, you're taking the best parts of, of these things you want to see that haven't been done before. Exactly. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick pause to mention that this week's show is sponsored by Neuro. Neuro makes functional gum and mints that help you better your mind and do more. It was launched by athletes with backgrounds in neuroscience and chemistry who imagined health supplements you could carry in your pocket and take on the go throughout the day instead of having to gulp down a bunch of pills in the morning. The great thing is these patented cold compressed gum and mints are gluten-free, sugar-free, vegan, and work a lot faster than drinks and supplements. They're loved by Olympians, engineers, academics, fitness heads, and creatives like you and me stuck at home staring at the screen. The energy and focus products have been shown to improve brain performance in a pilot study out of the Harvard Innovation Lab. And the new Calm and Clarity line uses ingredients scientifically shown to reduce stress and stabilize mood. And who couldn't use a little bit more of that right now? The sleekly packaged gum and mints are easy to carry, taste great, and give you fresh breath, and much easier than having to brew or find a cup of coffee or tea when you're overworked, and a little easier on the wallet. So just head over to getneuro.com to order and better your state of mind. That's G-E-T-N-E-U-R-O.com. Use the code WRITER to get 15% off your first order today. Getneuro.com. Yeah, so so yeah, let's talk about Scavenger. Um, again, uh, Publishers Weekly called it a no-holds-barred crime novel, kind of a 21st century twist on traditional hardboiled noir, noir which it absolutely is. Um, but, you know, it's got this very unique, not only writing style, and we'll talk about that, but, um, yeah, talk about the, the protagonist and kind of this, uh, this what, you, what you've done here, which is kind of um, renewed this... Uh, this fantastic take on noir. Well, I, I, my um, spiritual godfather, if you will, um, is not Walter Mosley, even though I do know Walter Mosley. It is actually George Pelicanos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pelicanos uh, wrote uh, a number of award-winning novels about using DC uh, uh, as as a background, as as a setting. Um, and, you know, and he went to, he's show running on HBO. He's got other movies out. He was, you know, producing and directing for The Wire. You know, and that should give mm-hmm. you an idea what, what kind of, what the subject matter is. And he had told me that, you know, because of stuff like gentrification, <laughs> et cetera, I mean, the, 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 the universe of stories, it's not, it's not that it's constricted. It's just that there's just so much you can now do with bad people and with good people. So you got to explore new ground. And, um, the only place that I could think of, uh, you know, in, in, in this community, uh, where you can, you can really look around and see what's going on as, as a protagonist is among, uh, the homeless. And, and my protagonist, you know, starts off the novel as a homeless addict. Um, he lives on a steam grate by the Smithsonian, um, um, by the museum of natural history. He, you know, he smokes uh, Kush, the, the, you know, the K2. And, and you know, he's, sometimes he uses McDonald's wrappers as rolling papers. You know, he's got, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he drinks Mickey's, you know, green grenades. He drinks, you know, steel reserve when he can get it. Um, 
he prides himself on not panhandling because he's got this god-awful job, if you want to call it, uh, these jump crews that they used, that uh, they until very recently Washington had, because it's a weird, weird city because we're a federal and our and a, a regular and a federal city is that you know when when landlords would throw you out uh, either for cause or or you know if you didn't pay your rent, they'd actually have a federal marshal come around and you know cordon off the area and then they would bring these homeless guys in hmm. to basically take all your stuff out and throw it on the throw it on the, the pavement um and and that's how he he got his he gets his money it, it could be anywhere from from 15 to 20 bucks a day if that i mean and that's nothing uh, especially in a cold winter and that's how we find him in the beginning of the novel i mean and he's also musing about um well, he's not musing, and we'll get to that about the writing style. <laughs> he is and he isn't. But they're, they're, the voice in him is musing about how you know he may or may not have tried to commit suicide with a hot heroin dose with, with, with uh, fentanyl mm-hmm. um, because he just couldn't take it anymore. Um, and he, you know, this is a man who was a, a football star in high school and college, and uh, who was a, a, a smart man as well. I mean, he was a, you know he was a scholar athlete uh, in college and met the wrong woman and you know here's your there's your femme fatale trope you know with noir <laughs> and um and and then his life has been on the street for probably about 15 years uh, which is longer than most people have survived and that's where you find him um and you know his life changes through the you know by fate uh, or by design um he's hired to find something and find somebody because th- uh, this person, this wealthy person, a former cabinet official, his sources can't locate uh, these assets on the street. You know, and I, when I mean on the street, I don't mean among the, quote, regular criminals, close <laughs> quote, but, you know, lower than that, you know, among the, 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 the hidden people, the, the, the undocumented immigrants, the, the homeless, the drug addicts, people like that. And, and he needs uh, my character, Dickie Cornish, to 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 bring to to explore that world and find what he wants, and you know, the mayhem ensues, and <laughs> right, right. that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> sure, sure. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers: "Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow," a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. 
Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, and as you, and as you put it and you've written about this kind of at length, but, um, you know, American crime stories have, uh, featured poor people and non-traditional voices forever, but, um, they're kind of, uh, <laughs> trending as you put it. But what I find fascinating, not only the, the that you've written the book in a second person, which, you know, there aren't, there aren't a lot of, um, books that you could probably name that, that are, um, written in the second person. And, you know, when I think of great ones, I think of, um, Jay McInerney's Bright Lights, Big City, right. Uh, which is a favorite of mine, but of course it's not a, it's not a North thriller. Um, right. it's, it's a literary novel that was actually made into a movie, oddly enough, not a good movie. It was Michael J. Fox, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, <laughs> It's a bad t- casting. You, it's actually it's actually one of those movies that you should watch um, if you've ever read the book and enjoyed the book because yeah. it's so it's so bad it's good and it's it's very right. dated. Um, of course, Michael J. Fox doing cocaine in a in a bathroom stall in in the you know in New York in the eighties is pretty funny to watch anyway. But yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was a bit of stunt casting. So, but anyway. Um, these are real life epidemics we're talking about, real life crises that this country is going through. And obviously you've witnessed some of that firsthand as have we all, um, especially this year, but you know, I mean the homeless, um, homelessness crisis and, uh, the financial crisis and all these concentric circles of crises that we talk about consistently on this show kind of all meet here in this fantastic, um, thriller, but um, yeah, I mean, you've taken some inspiration, obviously, as we talked about earlier at the very beginning of the show, kind of life imitating art or vice versa. It's so meta, I can't even really wrap my head around it now. But um, yeah, talk about kind of these influences and, and um, kind of the larger so- sociological sure. or social picture that you're talking about here. Sure. Well, I mean, um, I'll start with the second person first. I mean, um, some of it is craft oriented and some of it is because of these concentric circles you're talking about and it all matches together. Um, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to push the envelope and, you know, craft wise, you can't push the envelope any better than if you use something other than (laughs) either first or or third person. I mean, everybody uses one or the other, or they might, you know, uh, alternate. Um, I felt that because I was using these concentric circles of crises and I had a, a, a homeless character, um, this would be the perfect time to use a second person because, you know, yes, it might be stereotypical, but who else as a protagonist would have a voice in their head, but a, but a homeless person <laughs> right. smoking, smoking spice. Okay. So, um, it was tailor made for that. The, the problem is, is that you can't make the the second person narrator to omniscient um right you can make them um 
you know, they can warn you, they can, they can bring up a lot of stuff. They become a very unreliable narrator. They become a, you know, you, you basically have two characters for the price of one and you can really play one off on the other. Um, whereas, you know, one is, is very passive. And even as he grows into his role and becomes more, uh, assertive, he's not, the jackass basically that the other voices the other voice is 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 is, is horrific and it's sexism and it's um ethnocentricity and it's um homophobia and it's um you know it's basically the voice of and i'm not giving anything away from here it's, it's basic, basically his manifestation of his father who was very abusive who was a marine um and um in in a, a a facility because he's 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 um a vegetable basically so mm. he's still alive but you know the voice kind of lives through him and the, and the trauma that this character has has suffered uh throughout his life and the focal point of, of that is his dad and so that voice kind of drives the narrative but the, that voice can be as mean and as brutal to him and the outside world as, as, as he felt his father probably really was. So, you know, you, you, you can, you can play around with that, but it is extremely difficult to write and carry. And then you can have even conflict between the two. Now, if, if, if people go and hopefully buy this book scavenger, like Christopher Chambers, <laughs> <laughs> three rooms press, and you read it, I think what you will, what you will see, and I'm not, I'm not giving anything away here is that, at various points of real danger, especially as as Dickie is is trying to get used to this role as a as almost as a gumshoe, the voice becomes less brutal, and that's because it's still him. And you know, you're not even if you're hearing voices, your voice is not going to say, "Okay, now you, now you get up and you walk through that door." When your voice and you both know there's a monster or something behind it your voice is going to be a little more cautious and a little more supportive. And I think what I, what I tried to show was, was how the voice changes as a character too, not just through the novel, but by situation. So if it's, if it's just him sitting around on the street, smoking some, some, some bad weed and spice, of course the <laughs> voice is going to be more brutal and attack him and demean him. If he's about to get shot, the voice is going to be a little more supportive and say, hey, you need to get down behind this chair. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's almost, it's almost common sense if you think about it. Um, but I had, to, I had to really work through all of this in my head as I was writing because, it, it, you know, you, it, 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 even, so, you know, so in other words, even the, your second person narrator, who's an unreliable narrator, even that, even that as a character has to grow and evolve and, and, and has to kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, adapt to what the situation is that 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 voice is in. So it is literally like writing two characters and and, and trying to say, okay, well, what's this character going to do now? What's the what's the one that's attached to him through his brain going to do? And it's 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 exhausting, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it I think it's it, it gives the reader a richer uh, experience. Um, and at least in my opinion, and, um, yes, it is, it is challenging sometimes to, to follow that, but I think it's a good challenge rather than, you know, I mean, do you, you know, do you really want to read bubblegum all the time? You know, no, you want, you want to have a little thing to chew on every now and then. And, and it's a little, 
uh, put more effort into, into, into chewing on it. And I think that that's what I wanted to give the reader because that's what this world is. It's a, it's a hard world to chew on. And, 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 and I'm giving it to you as is, you know, almost like you said, I mean, cinema verite almost, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you have to be, it's a tough world. So you have to be a little tough to, to read it and, 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 and absorb it. Um, because I'm not apologizing for anything in here. It, it, it it's, I'm giving it to you hard. And that's what, what noir is. It's giving it to you hard. It's not making it easy for you. And it's not making it easy for the characters either. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and um, but in the end, I think, you know, you come away from it, you know, saying, wow, that was an experience and you enjoy it more. Yeah. Well, as you said, cinema verite and um, it does very much have that, that quality. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And uh, yeah, so so uh, what are you working on now? Are you working on just um, trying to wrap your head around the next? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my feet? head around. I mean, being <laughs> in Washington, you know, you have to wrap your head around a lot. I mean, my uh, my my brother calls it Berlin on the Potomac. <laughs> oh my. And I'm not talking about Berlin now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and um, but. I'm working on the, you know, the the sequel, uh, the Scavenger. That's one thing, um, and I'm having to work through him, and again, not giving anything away, but him, him in a new role, Dickie Cornish in a new role. So I am alternating, sometimes from chapter to chapter, sometimes from scene to scene, set piece to set piece, first person with the thir- with the second person, mm. because now he's got a, a better, you know, he's on meds, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> Because uh, he's gone to the VA finally, and he's on meds, but he's still fighting this conflict. So that's that's tough. Um, I'm I was um, honored to to be uh, uh, chosen to write uh, for the new uh, by Marvel for the new Black Panther yeah. uh, anthology, Tales of Wakanda, which is coming out. That's so um, cool. And that's going to be really cool. Um, I was I was I, you know, I couldn't believe they they picked me. I don't remember auditioning, frankly, but I mean, I got an email. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I said, congratulations. I, I, mean, I wasn't going to sit there and go, this is a joke, right? <laughs> but um, um, so my my story, um, it's a prose anthology. This, this, yeah. you know, Marvel is starting to branch out into that now um, and using prose writers uh, to, to, to kind of uh, create, you know, to flesh out the uni- this new universe, although I think they're doing it to – post stories from us because <laughs> we we prose writers you know we've got the imagination you know so, yeah. but um cool. we've got uh 
So I'm working. I'm doing that, and uh, well, I'm, I'm finished actually, and I'm really excited about being picked, and I'm, 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 you know, thankful Marvel had the faith in me to do that, especially now with you know with Chadwick Boseman passed away. Yeah. Um, a lot of eyes are on this this collection, um, and uh, my story, which is supposed to be a really simple one about uh, the sister Shuri. Um, a lot of the word got out. A lot of the fanboys are are, are, wa- are watching it. The the the, the, the um, comics fanboys because I include or resurrect the um, the Namor character, the Submariner, hmm. uh, in it. Um, it's been very important in the comic arch, comic arc rather. But uh, out there in the popular you know world where the where, where it's really the movie universe, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Namor has been missing. So it's been in the popular mind, you know, this is going to be the first injection of Namor beyond, um, you know, the, the strict kind of, of, of comic book world where he was very important in, in some of these Black Panther stories. So I was very honored to do that. So between, you know, getting ready to promote that um, and trying to finish Scavenger and trying to deal with, you know, lockdowns and masks and, you know, washing my hands all the time. It's been tough, but uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really happy. I'm blessed to be able to do this. You know, that's why, that's why, you know, I, I know it sounds weird and trite. And I know you talked to Sean Cosby with Blacktop Wasteland. He uses words like that, too. But I, I really do believe we are blessed and we are honored to do this. I mean, I, I'm very I wake up in the morning and even if I don't have any kind of success, you know, or I can't write or something's been rejected, I still pinch myself because, you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to do this and I'm, and, and I'm honored to try to give it my best. Hmm. Um, and I don't take it for granted. Um, and, I, you know, and I, and I, I try to help, uh, you know, if I have students uh, who want to aspire to do this. I help them and I inculcate in them. This is not a hobby. You know, this is part of your life and you should be honored, you know, to, 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 uh, to enter this and and create stories for people because, you know, I'm not doing this for myself. A lot of novelists and poets and everything say that a lot of times they do, but really you are really doing it for other people. Otherwise, why are you doing it? And, you know, I, I want to give something to people and that they'll enjoy, I'm, you know, and I'm not trying to, to challenge them or shake them up or smack them in the face. I mean, I'm, I'm I might be holding them by the lapels and shaking them a little bit, <laughs> but I'm not smacking them in the face. It's the idea is for you to, like, look at this and say, OK, this is a great story. I want to see more and I, and I want to be able to give it to you. Well, you've done that with Scavenger, to say the least, this uh, fantastic noir uh, mystery in the lively but desperate world of DC's underbelly. A black homeless man must quickly learn the ropes of being a detective after a wealthy ex-government official sets him up to take the fall for a brutal crime he didn't commit. A perfect setup. You had some great blurbs there. George Pelicanos. And, uh, of course, uh, your friend Sean Cosby said, <laughs> uh, Christian Harris has created a wholly original character that exists in a world at once familiar but startlingly brutal. It is at that. Before we wrap up with uh, your advice to your fellow scribes and just kind of how to keep it going during a pandemic, um, <laughs> where's the best place to connect with you out there? I have uh, you on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Is there any yeah. uh, home base out there? Or 
Well, you know, given my my day job, of course, you know, I can't I can't meld the two, so I can't give you the Georgetown <laughs> seats and everything. Right. Um, I'm I'm in the process of redoing my my website, but Instagram, um, it's it's Prof Chris C. Yeah. Um, at Prof Chris C on Instagram, at Prof Chris on uh, Twitter, yeah. and I'm there on Facebook. I have my own Facebook authors page, Chris Chambers. There it's it easy to find me. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'll put all those links and in at, there. And, and Three Rooms Press also. Three Rooms Press, three rooms press. which uh, publishes uh, Scavenger. Yeah, um, a quick fun one before we wrap here. Uh, if you could have an all-expense-paid dinner to your favorite restaurant in the world, post-COVID, of course, uh, with any author from any era, who would you take? Where would you take them? Oh, man. Um... I would take. Uh, well, first of all, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm married, so it's gonna be. A, it's gonna be. It's not. It's gonna be platonic. Sadly, <laughs> um, okay. I would probably take. I know this sounds terrible. I would take Chester Himes, uh, <laughs> as morose as he could be, but I would take him to uh, my favorite place, which is actually in the Bahamas. Believe it or not, at this place where my wife and I were. Mm. But I would I would have a nice meal with him, but then afterward during dessert and drinks, just talk. Yeah, yeah. Just talk, um, and that's where. I, and, and I think in that kind of a, a milieu, he would loosen up so much that I would learn so much, and I think that he would see a different side of the world too that's that cool. wasn't so terrible. Love it. Um, yeah. So, uh, quick pearl on just uh, how to keep going. How how do scribes keep the ink flowing? Um, you know, maybe. Maybe they're frustrated right now. Maybe they're going through, uh, you know, some of this oh, I think feeling so. of isolation that we're all we're all facing. Um, yeah, how, what, what do you what advice do you have for them? Well, I think it's a question of of environment. I mean, you know, if you're a poet or a novelist, you're going to be isolated anyway um, in your own world. The thing is, you got to you got to learn how to do it in a different place. It's probably going to have to be home and not the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just kind of. You know, I, I think it's a good thing. I think it, it it forces you to focus, but it also focuses you to 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 compartmentalize things so you can you know you can have a human relationship with whomever you share the space with. I think it's good because I, I, you know um, because you're not going to be able to go to the writers' retreat. You mm-hmm. know, you might not even have the money to pay for that, or have or have a person that that can sponsor you to do that anymore. You're not going to have the coffee shop. You're going to have yourself, and and I think that helps toughen you up. It toughens your your brain up to concentrate, and it also uh, forces you to be able to disengage and be a human being again. And I don't think that's a terrible thing because I think too many of us think we either have to get a sponsor or pay to go to the writer's retreat to get anything done or go down to the coffee shop with a laptop to get anything done. No, it's all in yourself. I know I sound like, you know, like a like a halfway marine boot camp, halfway deep pack <laughs> trooper saying that. But but I mean, it's true. I mean, it's, it's if you don't have any choice in the matter, you know, you're going to learn to adapt. And I think that, that learning to adapt is how you kind of develop a, a scab on you and, 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 and a way of coping with the world. And I I don't see that as such a terrible thing anymore. I like it. Professor, drill sergeant, guru, we thank you for your wisdom. <laughs> And uh, it's Thank been, you, my son. <laughs> it's, been, it's been truly a pleasure. I'm sure I could pick your brain all day. 
Um, <laughs> but do come back and wrap with us again sure. uh, in the future and be safe out there. You too. You too. Thank you, Kelton. I appreciate this. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.